0: here new. Um, welcome, welcome everyone online joining us on the live stream as well. Uh, here at Highlands, we're just committed to being a church, uh, following Jesus together. That's our commitment. If it's your first time, you're like, what's this church all about? We're just, we're doing our absolute best to stay in step with Jesus, filled by the Spirit as we uh, make our way through life together and try to grow in faith and obedience. And so that's where we're at, and um, I hope it feels like home while you're here. Uh, make sure you stick around for the potluck after. Um, Frost. Hey, Ryan, what's your, what is your uh, smokehouse called that you're calling it? Frosty's Smoke Shack, Frosty's smoke Shack is providing 30 pounds of, fr- of pulled pork today for our... Uh, This is real. If you were here a couple months ago, you know that Frosties is no joke, and so it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get a shirt, start repping you, okay? But Hey, um, if you don't know me, my name is David. Um, I'm the lead pastor here. Just happy to be sharing from the scriptures today as we continue through Colossians. Um, As we begin today, I'd like to open with two scriptures to kind of help kind of open our eyes to what God has for us in Colossians. Um, One is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and one is in... Uh, Romans chapter 12, and so it'll be on the screen. Paul writes, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law. I, too, live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Verse 23, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And so, Romans 12... And perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Again, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Um, just a couple quick things before we get into the the message. Um, it was my mom's birthday yesterday. We try to honor as many as we can. Mom, can you just wave that hand in the air? I know. And so last week, I think it was with uh, with Robert Thomas. Is Robert still in the house? I'm sure he is. Um, last week, I made I. I I don't know. Apparently, I, I grew up thinking that there were, like, birthday spanking machines. Does any, remember we were talking about this? And I was like, hey, everyone had that growing up. And everyone's like, no, no one had that growing up. And I was like, but what about? And so now I feel like I've got some trauma to work through, okay? But anyway, just give, give Mom a fist bump. Give her a little tap on the shoulder. Give her a hug if you know her. Um, say, happy birthday, Mom. We love you. And we know that this, uh, this is just the beginning. The Best is yet to come. Amen. Um, second thing, the Rowleys... You made it! 40-year anniversary today. 40 years you made it. And I don't, Stephanie, I don't know how you did it, but you made it. Um, No, but for real, we love you guys. Um, If you don't know, Doug is our deacon chair here, and we just love you guys. You're so, such a gift to this church, and your marriage is such a beautiful example to look in on. Um, just for, like, younger families to be able to look in and say, wow, this is what could be at 40. So you guys are amazing, and we love you. And we're praying for 40 more. How about that? Amen. I don't know how that's possible. Maybe up, you know, on the other side of heaven. So, okay, here we go. Um, the last thing, um, this past Friday, um, we had a, a, a national um, remembering for our veterans here in the United States. And as a, as a church, we have veterans present in our community and so, if you were a veteran here in the United States, would you just stand up for a moment? We want to honor you. Amazing. And if you'd stay standing for just a moment, we're going to pray for you. Um, oh, and we got, a, we got Ron Short up there as well. Ron, we honor you. Um, in one of, a, one of the, stay standing for just a moment. In one of the passages that have come to define our church from Jeremiah 29, God says through the, through the prophet Jeremiah, he says, to seek the welfare or the peace of the city that you've been sent. And I think that the work that you've done to serve our country has been just that, to be able to go and seek the peace of the place that you've been and the place that you've been sent. And so we honor you, we thank you for your service, and we thank you that the work that you did has helped pave the way so we could be here and worship in freedom. Amen? And so let's just, hey, can we just, um, hey, Don, do you want to come here a second? This is the small church thing that we do. We just call people out whenever we want. So, Don, I'm just going to hand you the mic. Do you want to pray for them? Pray for Ron as well upstairs. Father God, thank you for those that served, and they serve you as well, Father. Just continue to bless their lives. Thank you for them and for our time and service today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and if you don't don't do the 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 spanking machine for them either. Okay, you guys can sit down. Just give them a little fist bump. Give them a high five. Thank you so much. All right, uh, if we're gonna get out of here by lunch, I better get going. We are on week seven, week seven of Colossians. Can you believe it? We've made it this far. Um, and if you're just joining us, over the past few weeks. Um, building on the supremacy of Jesus, like we just sang, all hail King Jesus, building on the supremacy of God, we've learned that that if Jesus is supreme, then everything in us must submit to this supremacy. If Jesus Christ is the King of all creation, he has in turn created a new reality for all his people, where once once we were dead, But now we are alive Once we were in the darkness But now because of Jesus He has brought us into His marvelous light Once we were enemies of God Right? This is what we've learned in Colossians Once we were enemies of God But now we are called family Forever Because of the work of Jesus And the supremacy of Jesus In the world And this is it Our reality has changed. This is what we've been talking about. Because of Jesus, our reality has changed. And with that change of scenery, or that that place that we now call home, the place that we occupy this side uh, of heaven, with that change comes some updates to how we live, the loyalty that we have in our devotion. If Jesus has brought you from death to life, this is what we're talking about. If you claim that he is Lord of your life, then your life better reflect his. Your actions, your behaviors, your motivations. Everything must support your new reality with Jesus. Now, as we expand on this concept today of loyalty to your reality, I'd like to focus on yet another update that comes with following Jesus together as a church, and that is our rights and our responsibilities. Our rights and our responsibilities as Christians in this new reality we call home. Now, what do I mean by rights and responsibilities? Let me explain. So while I am uh, most certainly, I like to define myself as an early adopter. You might in turn define me as a bit of a late bloomer. And some of you have heard bits and pieces of my story, but after I graduated high school, I went straight to college, which was great, but it wasn't great because I wasn't really sure who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And so I, I eventually, that, you know, the, the lack of clarity in tandem with still living at home formed this kind of perfect storm of failure to launch in my life. I lacked ambition, I lacked discipline, I lacked motivation, and I eventually got kicked out of school because of all of that. And this is me. You can see in the first, the first picture, I look real, real cool. <laughs> I'm in the blue, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Now you can clear that. So after, after a number of years, I, I just kind of um, floated in my life, place to place to place. And I, and I worked, and I, and I uh, went to church, and I eventually moved out of the house. I got a place with that guy, some friends, and we started a band. But overall, I had very little responsibility, and so I wasn't all that responsible. Many late nights... Taco Bell runs, closing out the bars, playing music until 2 in the morning, sleep until noon. It was a vibe, but this was my reality at 25 years old. And while I was free to live this way, pay attention to this, while I was free to do this, I was of age, it's a free country, I had the right to do whatever I wanted. My reality lacked focus, and it lacked intention. Why? Because I saw myself as the center of my story. And what did it get me? Broke Insecure, unhealthy, just wandering in circles, waiting for what comes next to react to. And it all eventually came to a head one day when I got home from a shift. I was waiting tables at the time, TGI Fridays. Um, and I, I came home, and, um, and, I, and I realized that my refrigerator wasn't cold. I, I, I went to, the, to grab a Mountain Dew, because that's what you do when you're 25. Went and grabbed a Dew from the fridge, and it was warm. I was like, what's going on here? And so then I was like, ah, no big deal. I walk into the living room, I turn on the TV, and it won't turn on. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, we didn't have any power. Why? Because we didn't pay our utility bill. And that was the last straw for me. This was the moment, honestly, that just woke me up and said, I know I need a change. And I don't know if anyone else here has ever been in a season like that, a situation where you just have to say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I want more to life than this. So Long story short, I sell my stuff, I apply to this Christian school in Minneapolis, to, and I get in, and, um, and, I, and I make the move. Here we go. I make the move from, from one place to another, right? I make the move from out of the bachelor pad, okay, with, into the dorms as a 25-year-old man. hanging out with 18-year-olds, okay? Now, out of my life of freedom, okay, out of my life of freedom and into a life of structure and rules and systems and responsibilities and rights, my reality changed. And the, the thing is, that that's what I wanted for me. It's what I knew I needed. But, but what did we learn a couple weeks ago? That sometimes it takes a, a little time to adjust to the scenery around us. Sometimes it takes a little time to adjust to change. And this was me, another picture of me when I got there, adjusting to change. (laughs) Homework, what's homework, you know? And so you can clear that. It takes time to settle into a new home with new norms, new rules, and it did take time. It was an adjustment. It was an adjustment that came with it some incredible liberties, but also some really interesting limitations. For example, I remember living in the dorms, um, also meant that I could eat at the campus dining hall. And y'all, at this point in my life, my diet was pretty bleak, I'm just gonna say it. It was ramen and Taco Bell and Mountain Dew, but now I was told, I heard the woo, okay, now I was told that I have access to the cafeteria, which basically was like a food court at the mall. And so I went one day for lunch and I had no idea how this system worked. But I made my way in, and and there was a stack of trays, and there was this smiling employee that was standing there ready to scan my ID. And I walk up, and I'm like, hey, um, I'm David. And she's like, oh, are you one of the new teachers here? (laughs) And I said, no, I've just been on a journey. Um, But it's my first time here. And I don't really know how this thing works. And she said, oh, well, uh, what do you mean? I said, well, I mean, I'm scanning the, the conditions to what I can eat. Like, what, what's going on here? And she's like, no there's, there's no, there's no, there's no conditions. You grab a tray, you pick what food you want, you put it on your tray, and you go, and you go eat it. You can have what, what you want. And my mind, friends, my mind was just blown as a 25-year-old that spent the last few years eating ramen, Right? because I decided to go to this school, because of this change I made, and because I chose to live in the dorms, I now had the liberty to eat whatever I wanted. I could go and eat eight pieces of pizza, right? Have three bowls of ice cream and some fried chicken, then a plate of macaroni for dessert. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) This was now my reality. This is what was available to me now because of my, my place, my position as a student. Amazing. And it was amazing, but I soon discovered alongside some of these incredible liberties also came some pretty significant limitations. Like when I got there, um, it was football season. And like I said last week, I, I root for the home team. And so like the Vikings were playing. So I like decided, hey, let's have some people over to watch the Vikings. And, and so then we went with my friends and we went to the, um, to the grocery store to get some party snacks. And without even thinking, y'all, I, I'm at the market and I just go and grab some beer, right? Because you go watch football and people, they drink beer. And I was like, cool, no big deal. We get back to the dorm, open up, people are coming in and out. And my resident advisor, the guy who kind of ran the dorm, walks into me and he says, hey, um, hey, David, (laughs) what are you doing, man? And I was like, oh, we're having, you know, people over for football. Like, do you want to come in and watch? And he said, no, 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 Um, no. He's like, you can't throw a party with beer at this school. I was like, what do you, I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm 25 years old. It's legal for me to buy and consume whatever I want. And he looks at me, and he says, and I'll never forget this, he says, he says it, might be, it might be legal out there, but not in here. It's against the rules. And friends, your reality determine your rules. He said, when you became a student here, you willingly gave up some of your rights out there to be a part of this community in here. Your reality determines your rights. And I'll never forget it. He said, David, this was your decision. This was your decision to come here. And it was my decision. And I chose to be a part of this new thing, this new place, and I loved it. There was so much good that blessed my life. All you can eat at the cafeteria, a refrigerator that always stays cold, a structure that would push me forward with rules to bring me focus. I was different. My life was different because of this decision. But for some reason, I didn't fully grasp on the front end how the good in here might affect my rights out there. Does that make sense? Like, like it's what I wanted. I wanted all the benefits of this new life without having to, to dismiss all of like the, the perks of my old life. You following me? I wanted the liberties, but I didn't want the limitations. Still, I was promptly reminded in that moment by my resident advisor that something had to give. I could not have it all. If I wanted to be all in, I had to be all in. Otherwise, I would be all out very quickly. Why? Because in this reality, they set the rules. They determine the rights. And they assign the responsibilities. Now, what am I getting at? Much like me working through this shift from from independence to liberty, which, by the way, they are different. From independence to liberty. when, When we choose to give our lives to Jesus and step into this new reality called freedom in Christ as a new person, when we do this, we are deciding to walk in a whole new way of life. And this new way comes with it, an unbelievable promise of peace and presence and joy and love that never runs out. Friends, with Jesus, you'll always have enough. Jesus is always enough. Your future is secure. Your days now have meaning. Your purpose, even in pain, it it makes sense because it's eternal. These are the rights that you have as God's people in God's house. This is what comes in your new reality, But with this update to your rights also come some new responsibilities, new values, new behaviors, new motivations, new intentions, new rules, new restrictions, and new limitations, which all ultimately flow from this new place, this new identity. And so let me just say real quick in case there's any confusion, if you are a Christian, and I know that most of you would say that you are a Christian. If you're a Christian, then you do not get to decide what rights you have. And I know this might rub some of you wrong coming from, you know, kind of the American ethic of Bill of Rights, Constitution, Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness. I get it, but please hear me when I say, just because the world says that you have the right to do it out there, it doesn't mean that Jesus says you have the right to do it in here. Amen. Just because Just because the world says that it's available to you, that you are free to pursue out there, it doesn't mean that Jesus says it's for you in here. Your reality has changed. It doesn't matter what's normal out there. You are responsible to live faithful to what God says in here. If you're a Christian, this was your decision. No one has forced you into this. But you can't have it all. You can't pick and choose what's most convenient. This life of faith is one of loyalty, fidelity, and devotion. So let us live faithfully under the new rules, rights, and responsibilities that come along with our new family. Amen? All right, and that's where, we're, where I want to park for the rest of our time today as we make our way back to Colossians after the longest intro ever, but I just want you to know me, okay? I want you to know me. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow me to Colossians 3, starting in verse 16. We're going to be going through chapter 4, verse 1. And just like last week, I'm going to read it through, start to finish, and then we're going to kind of circle back around to identify some context for what Paul was actually talking about here in this passage. Believe it or not, there are some differences in understanding from 21st century America to 1st century Middle East, and so sometimes we need a bit of context. And so we're going to be going back to take a look at that, answer some potential questions you might have, before wrapping up with practical ways that we can all begin to live right with the rights we've been given. Sound good? Okay, here we go. So here's the passage starting in verse 16. It says, Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Verse 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. And this is the end. Masters, be just and fair. To your slaves, remember that you also have a master in heaven. Now, good stuff. What did we just learn? I know that there's some uh, some content that we just read that might make the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit, ripe with questions. What are we talking about here? Well, the first thing you need to know contextually is that everything Paul is speaking to in this passage jumps all the way back from teaching, singing, submitting, loving, and obeying. Everything here is running through the first filter of verse 17. Verse 17, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Because of Jesus, you are new, and in this new reality, whatever you do or say needs to be done on Jesus' behalf, like Jesus on his behalf. So wherever you are, whatever you do, filter it through the rights and responsibilities that come along with following Jesus. Cool. And that's when he gives us some examples uh, for how this updated Bill of Rights plays out for believers in the household. Now, what do I mean by this? Um, it's important to recognize that these examples he gives in verse 18 through 25 are not intended to be a correction or critique of society at large. This was not intended to be a rebuke or a revolution against the Roman government. Now, Paul is very clearly speaking to husbands, wives, children, slaves, and masters that were believers in the church. Now, the word for church here is ecclesia. I'll say this a couple times. So, within the ecclesia, as they exist within their homes, which is the word oikos. So, the ecclesia within the oikos, okay? Now, what I mean by that is that the home wasn't like the homes we have today. Oftentimes, what he was saying, referring to with the home, was more like a homestead. It's where all the extended family, and even like household servants, household employees, they would all occupy the same place. And so when we say to be the church within the house, what he's saying is the, the, the ecclesia within the broader structure of society at the time. And so Paul, he's very clearly, in this passage, he's very clearly speaking to husbands, wives, children, and slaves that were believers. He isn't telling unbelievers how to live. He isn't telling the Greek and Roman world how to restructure society. He's, he's speaking to the people that decided, that decided to join the ecclesia and instructing them on how to behave within the oikos. The ecclesia within the social context they find themselves, based on the rights and responsibilities God has given. Now, with all that said, lots of context there, let's go back and see what this means and what a shift in reality this would have been for the church in the first century, starting with husbands and wives. Verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, this text on first pass with 21st century vision With all the progress we've experienced over the past 2,000 years, it might seem a bit primitive. It might seem a little limiting, but Paul was actually bringing a great leveling to equality in marriage relationship in the church through this passage. How? Let me explain. So in the first century, women were essentially property. They were property of their husbands. They had no real rights in society. They were down, let's just, illustration here, they were down here. The men, on the other hand, they were were all the way up on the ceiling. They had almost unlimited rights. They had full permission to divorce or remarry or dispose of any woman or wife that didn't please them. And this was the reality that was afforded to them by the Roman government by which they occupied. But now here's Paul. Amazing. And he's saying, okay, guys, husbands, um, since you now live under the lordship of Jesus— Not the kingship of Caesar. Since you live under the lordship of Jesus, you must love your wives and never treat them harshly. This is your responsibility within marriage. You must love your wife and never treat them poorly. And this word harshly, actually, it it connects back to the word bitterly or bitterness. And so Paul's saying never treat them bitterly. This is the way of Jesus. And while the outside world might say that you have the right to do whatever you want, The rights that Jesus gave you and the responsibility now assigned to you instead say that you must love. And wives, verse 18, your duty in marriage under the lordship of Jesus is to submit to the lead of your husband, like Christ submits to the Father, as your husband loves you, just like Christ loves the church. Are you seeing this dynamic leveling in the first century? So Jesus, he submits to the Father and models what it means to submit to her husband. While the husband, who is Jesus, he models what it means to sacrificially love his bride, who is the church. Unbelievable. Paul is saying that marriage is about mutual love, submission, humility, and respect. And this is the great leveling that occurs within the first century in the church. For those outside looking in, they would have said the men were limited, but they would have also said that the women were increased. Cool got it. Now, what about kids and parents? Let's take a look. all Again, through the lens of rights and responsibilities in this new world called the church. Paul says, verse 20, children always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. And much like the leveling that we saw in the marriage relationship, he does this again um, when it comes to kids. And this would have been just mind-boggling for kids to hear. Because at the time, kids, much like wives, they, they were as disposable as women. They had no rights unless the dad said so. They had no rights or identity unless the father said, you are my son. And so for Paul to even mention kids in this letter would have been totally revolutionary and would have implied that kids matter to God, and they do. They have rights in his kingdom, but they also have a responsibility. The children also have a responsibility to to obey their parents like Jesus obeys the Father. And this would have been so counterculture, but then he takes it even further to the fathers, again, these men that were way up here, that even though out there you have the right to do whatever you want to your kids, under the lordship of Jesus, you must not aggravate them. You must not mistreat them or abuse them or discourage them. Instead, you have been given the great responsibility to do everything for them as a a representative of Jesus. You are a parent so the world would see Jesus in the way you care for your kids. New rights, new responsibilities. Verse 22, we're cruising along here. This is where it gets even a little bit wilder as Paul addresses slaves and masters. And obviously, just a heads up, this passage has been used for some pretty terrible things. Over the course of our history as a country, it has been used to justify abuse and promote and justify slavery, and so while slavery in the first century looked different than it did in the 1800s, um, the reality is, even in Colossae, it still meant that one person owned another person. And we see earlier in the passage that this is in direct opposition to the ethic of heaven and the lordship of Jesus. Still, Paul wasn't writing here to bring correction to society, but rather, to the church existing in society. And so he says this to the slaves. He writes, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely. Why? Why would they ever do this? Because the Roman government demands it? Because you're expected to by the world? No, Paul says, you're to serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Paul saying to the Christian slaves in the church, which would have, again, been totally unexpected that they would even be addressed in a letter. Slaves were nothing in the first century. Paul addresses them and he gives them identity and he instructs them through this letter to see the season they're in under the lordship of Jesus, not the authority of Rome. That because they belong to God forever and they've been promised this reward, this this inheritance in heaven, while they make their way on earth, even though they've been given rights by the Lord, they must remember their responsibility of showing the world what God is like and what they do. So, Paul says, obey your masters. Why? So you might represent your heavenly master. Work hard, serve sincerely. Why? Because you aren't working for them, you're working for Jesus. And while you're working for Jesus, the master you are serving is Christ, and Christ is all that matters. So, Paul's like, obey your earthly masters. But this is where it gets crazy. Verse 25 Paul then says, Masters, you're not off the hook. You must be fair and just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Christian masters, he's saying, you must be just and fair. What does this mean? Well, first of all, it's important to notice that Paul doesn't say that masters must release their slaves. Interesting. It's kind of weird. But he is telling them how how the masters are to see and to treat their slaves with justice and fairness. Now, here's something kind of cool. This word fairness is where it gets really, really interesting. Fair in the original language actually translates to mean equally. Equally. Which meant that Paul is saying to the Christian masters, under the lordship of Jesus, not the authority of Rome, the lordship of Jesus, even though they have different rights in the world, their responsibility is now to see and treat their slaves as equals in the church. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine what this must have said to the slaves? They, they, in the world, they are seen as trash and as property. Within the church, they are seen as equals with the masters. Can you imagine what this would have done to the masters? The leveling of rights within the kingdom of God, rights and responsibilities for everyone in the church. Reinforcing what Paul said just a few weeks ago that we read in verse 11 that in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. It doesn't matter what society says about you. It doesn't matter what the world might assume or speak over you. No, if you are a Christian, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And this is the expectation that God has for his, his household, his ecclesia, the rights and responsibilities we've been given as the church in the world. That we wouldn't live like the world, but we would live in the world like Jesus. And so also the world might see what God is really like. And this is what Paul was getting at in our opening scripture as well. For Paul, all of life was intended to to be committed to revealing the goodness of God to the world. Every single part of life was intended to show Jesus to the world. So lost people can be found, and found people can live free. Check this out from 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Even though I am a free man with no master, even though I have rights, and he did, even though he had freedom in the world, he says, I have willingly become a slave to all people. Why? To bring many to Christ. When I was a Jew, I lived like the Jews. When I was a Gentile who do not follow Jewish law, I lived apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I don't ignore the law, I just obey the law of Christ. Verse 22, when I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. Why? For I want to bring the weak to Christ. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And this is it from verse 23. I do everything everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And friends, in this new life, you have been brought into a whole new way of seeing the world, a whole new life, a whole new reality, this side of heaven. And and even though you have been given freedom and opportunities outside these doors as an American citizen, many of which might echo the gospel and the values of the kingdom. Things like equality and justice and kindness and compassion, these things are all good things that came from the church over the past 2,000 years. Even though you have those liberties outside as Americans, I need you to understand that your true allegiance, if you're a Christian, is to Christ and the rights he gives. And yes, some are the same, but as our country goes farther and farther down the road of wanting the blessings of the kingdom without submission to the king, it becomes increasingly obvious that the church needs to draw a line to remind themselves who they are and who sets the rules. Friends, we are God's people. We are God's people and Jesus sets our rules. Jesus establishes our rights and our responsibilities. And so even if the state might say one thing, we've got to look here to say, what what does Jesus have to say about this? Friends, if the state says you have the right to divorce your wife because she doesn't make you happy anymore, like, if you're a Christian, Jesus says, no, you don't have that right. Instead, you have the responsibility to love her. When the state might say that you have, the, the, uh, the, when the state might say that kids have the right to emancipate from their parents, if you're a Christian, you don't have that right. Instead, you have the responsibility to obey them so they might see Jesus in your obedience. Are you tracking? When the world says you might have the right to take it easy at work, And coast because you aren't being paid enough or you haven't been given the opportunities you feel like you deserve. No, if you're a Christian, you don't have that right. You have the responsibility to work hard in whatever you do. So your employer or your fellow employees might see Jesus in your work ethic. This is what it means to be the church, the ecclesia within the oikos of society. You don't have the ability to choose what's right for you. You don't have the ability to choose what's right for you within the oikos of society. God says that we wouldn't copy the customs or behaviors of the world. Instead, verse 11 from Romans, that we would offer our bodies, our entire lives, to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is the true way to worship. Jesus makes the rules. Jesus makes the rules. He gives us rights and responsibilities to live like him, so the world might know him in how we live this is colossians 3:16 through 4:1 let me say that one more time the summary here is this jesus makes the rules and jesus gives us rights and responsibilities to live like him so the world might know him in how we live and this is colossians 3 now practically as we wrap up practically I want to give you just a few quick suggestions, because I know this is challenging. Remember, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to acclimate from living most of your life over here with one mindset to being over here, and you're like, man, everything has changed. I can eat at the cafeteria whenever I want, but I can't have parties in my dorm. This is so weird. Like, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to acclimate to the new life, but I just want to give you a few suggestions for how to live these new rights and responsibilities. And these aren't legalistic requirements for salvation, but they certainly make living your salvation not only possible, but practical. And so if you want to know how to live your rights in God's house, there's three things I just need you to think about. First of all, you need to read your Bible, you need to go to church, and you need to commit to community. These are things that we all are already know, right? He's one of those things like, man, pastor, you say this stuff every single week. Yeah, we'll start doing it, okay? Read your Bible, go to church, and commit to community. Let's start with reading your Bible. Paul says in Colossians 3 that we are to let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Friends, we need to let the message, the story, The good news of Jesus in all its richness fill your life. It's not to entertain you. Being here is not to entertain you. It's not to supplement your life. It's not an add-on. Paul's not saying that the good news needs to inform you or inspire you. It just says that it needs to fill you. The entirety of who you are from top to bottom. Nothing can remain untouched from the gospel. And where is the message about Jesus found? It's found in the scriptures. And so read your Bibles. This book was given to you by God so you can know who saved you and how to live free. God gave you this so you can know what rights you have and what responsibilities you have been given. You cannot know who you are to God without reading the Bible. And so open up. Fill your life with the message about Jesus. You can read it. You can listen to it. We got copies of it in in the info area, in the lobby. They're free. Just go grab one. We want you to have it because we want you to know who you are and who we are together. So that's first, read your Bible. Second, Paul says, you got to get to church. Come early, come often to worship God for who he is and what he's done. Verse 16 says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Y'all, gathering together for worship, it changes us. It changes us, it does because it places us together as the ecclesia within the oikos and be reminded of the reality we actually call home. And while it's certainly possible to believe in Jesus and and live faithful like him out in the world, independent of showing up here regularly on a Sunday, I just want you to know it's a whole lot easier to live faithful as a part of a church family. It's also what God just wants most for you, to be here, to never neglect gathering together, He wants you to be together. The church is not just you, it's y'all. And so we get to be the church. Be here. Make your participation here a priority in your life. Did you know that average church attendance in Southern California is 1.8, for committed people, 1.8 weeks a month? That's less than 50%, y'all. Like, I see people wait in line at In-N-Out for like an hour to get a burger, and we can't prioritize being here more than 1.8 times a month? Y'all, if you want to live free, if you want to live steady and faithful and devoted and loyal to Jesus, you've got to be at church, as the church, because it's here that we become who we're made to be. And so be here. Be here. Where the world says you have a right to a weekend, you have the right to take it easy, you have the right to do whatever you want with your time, Jesus says you have a responsibility to fellowship, to be a part of the people of God. Which brings us to our third and final piece. Paul says we need to commit to community. In verse 16, he says that we are to teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. The wisdom from above. The other, the key word in that passage I want you to be thinking about is each other. It's not It's not solo, it's each other. This life of faith is supposed to be done in community, where we know each other and care for each other and encourage one another what it means to follow Jesus, to remind your fellow brothers and sisters who they are and where they belong, their rights and their responsibilities. This is the real gift, friends, of being adopted into this family of faith. The gift is it's a family. We're not, out, we're not out doing this by ourselves. We're over here together. We're following Jesus together, and we need it, right? I need it. I need, to be, I need you in my life to help me live like Jesus. I need you in my life to help me do everything as a re- representative of Jesus. I need you to help, help me give thanks through Jesus to God the Father. I need to live in community with other Christians. If I have any hope of running this race well, and so do you, And so, read your Bible, get to church, and commit to community. These are my suggestions, but now it's up to you. These are your—they're my suggestions. They're your decisions, okay? And so, it's up to you to decide the life you want most. It's up to you to decide the life that you want most. And as we close today, I just want to leave it there with that last question: What life do you want most? What life do you want most for your family? What life do you want most for your kids? Do you you want your kids to grow up thinking that a relationship with God is on par with watching football? Do you want your spouse to grow with you thinking that she is as important as your job? What life do you want? The world says you've got the rights. Jesus says you've got the responsibilities. So what life do you want most, because we can't have it all? I think back regularly to my bachelor days. Man, I had so much freedom in the world. Whew! That's because I had no responsibilities. But I also had no focus. Then I committed to this new life, this new life with new rules and new limitations, and while there were challenges along the way, Yeah, there was less personal freedom. What I found was was peace and purpose and meaning that I never thought was possible. And it's all because I chose to really live in a new reality I was given. So what do you want most from your life? Because God wants so much for you. He does, and this is it. We're gonna finish now, but God wants so much for you. God wants so much more than just eking by, believing for the future while you still live like the past. God wants so much more for you, but you got to decide what you want and then live faithfully and loyal to the rights and responsibilities you've been given. Amen? I want to pray for you as we go, and then we're going to dig into some delicious Frosties pulled pork. I don't know. I forgot the name. Frosties smoke, smoke shack. Frosties, Frosties. Something like that. And it's going to be awesome. And we can just, we can just praise the Lord that, that, the, that the new creation, the new covenant, we can eat the pork, okay? Let's just celebrate that today. <laughs> but, as, but as we end, I just want to pray for you because sometimes you might be coming, and it's your first time here, and you're like, oh, okay, it's like I, I received this one little episode of church. But this has been a conversation for seven weeks now. And so this is building one week after another. And so I'm just going to kind of let it hang because next week we're going to get some more. But I just want to leave you with that question. What, what life do you want? What do you want most from your life? Because the, the decisions you make today will, will build the future you occupy tomorrow. So do you want a life of loyalty to Jesus? Do you want a life of faith and meaning and purpose and significance? Or do you want a, a life of freedom on your own? This is the question I just want to leave you with, and then we're going to go and exist and good food and hang out and socialize, but, but I just want to leave that with you, and then we can, uh, we can get out of here. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the life that you gave us. We thank you for this new reality that we now call home as your people. God, we ask in this moment that you wouldn't let us take it for granted. God, that we would, be, that we would really work hard to ask ourselves, what life do we want this side of heaven? Because, God, you have rescued us. You've brought us into this this new way of being with new values and new new motivations and new purposes and new rights and responsibilities. So, God, we just ask that you would help us see the rights we've been given by you, that we are yours forever, that there is nothing that we can do to ever separate ourselves from your love. God, these are the rights you've given us. Equality within the house of God. But, God, in that, I, I just ask that you'd remind us of the responsibilities to love to serve, to obey, to bow low, to honor you, God, in everything we do. And so, Jesus, we love you and we thank you. I'm so grateful for this church family that I know wants to live faithful. God, I just encourage you. Um, I just ask you, God, that you would just encourage us this week to stay in your scriptures. That you'd encourage us to make church a priority, God. That you'd encourage us to like exist with vulnerability and community, God. That you give us the courage to go and be your people this week. Wherever we go, whatever we do, that we do everything in your name. And so Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this incredible day and this incredible space for such a time.